Hey everybody, welcome back to the Dodgeball Podcast with Brett and Steve. Hello, hello. Uh, today we are going to talk about stats, which is a topic that I truly love. Uh, for those of you who know me, I'm a, a huge nerd. I love numbers. I love spreadsheets. So stats are something that uh, that mean a lot to me um, in every sport. And uh, there, there aren't really real stats in dodgeball right now. Um, it, it's one of those things where it's there. It's almost impossible to ref the game, let alone take stats on the game live. So there's too much going on, right? And there's no one. There's no one whose life is dedicated to taking stats the way there are for other sports. So what we're going to talk a little bit about today is um, what stats we would like to see. You know, in a perfect world, if we could hire an outside firm and get them to do stats full time for for uh, elite, what stats would you want to see, Steve? What's what's the number one thing on your mind? Well, it's going to be the. Of course, it's going to be like the hits. How many times did so and so hit this person? Um, catches, how many catches do they get? And then I would like to see like maybe suicide. Those are those are pretty exciting plays. Um, I mean, but there's just so much more to dodgeball than just those three actions, right? And I think that's the the issue is people when they think about dodgeball they think well, if if you're not hitting someone or catching someone then you're not doing anything. But that's not true. There's I mean there's a ton of other metrics by which you can measure someone's success. Um, so something that that I think is interesting um, is David Tates actually went back and did stats for the men's and women's um, USA national teams. Nice. And uh, it was interesting to look at because the, you know, like granted, you know, even he made the disclaimer, it's a small sample size, but it's interesting to look at it on at from a one game basis. The stats that he took were um, fairly thorough. I mean, the, you know, he, he, he got a lot of stuff that I don't think most people would think to get. Um, what did he get exactly? Well, so, you know, he, he collected all the fundamental stuff, you know, hits, catches, and all that. But then he, he did a lot of things. Um, he calculated throw accuracy, so total throws. Oh, that's um, cool. And there's just a lot, there's a lot of little things like that that I like to see. Um, actual, like, measured metrics that, that can help you determine not which player is better than another player, but kind of what a player's role is and, and you know, how they function on the court. And I think that's cool because there's a lot of stuff that you don't think about. Like, even even someone who blocks, you know, if you've got someone who blocks all the time, a successful block is a good thing because it means that you get the ball back generally. That's that's what I consider a successful block. So, it, you know, you might have people that maybe they're not throwing someone out all the time or getting a ton of catches, but, you know, they're controlling the pace of the game. They're controlling uh, the size of the court. Um, there's, there's a lot of those little um, intangible things that, that are going on in dodgeball that people aren't seeing. So, are, you know, can you think of anything like that, Steve, that, that you know that you can't measure that you can't see at first glance but that might be interesting to you yeah for sure i mean intangible is a really good word to put it i was i was trying to figure what that word would be um it's like intangible stats so one would be for instance um alan or, or tim uh, he talked about dictating the the pace of the game they're always in the middle they're always drawing fire they're like they're just really hard to hit and um it's kind of annoying because as an experienced player we know not to go for those type of people because their intent is to draw fire from us so they can get balls for their teammates. But they're also aggressors. Like they, they keep us back. They, they, you know, they stand in the neutral zone and they're, um, holding their ground and whatnot. But, um, you can't really measure that either. Like you can say, Oh, I know what Tim does. I know what Alan does. I know their role for the team, but just because, um, Alan may not have the most catches and the most hits does not necessarily mean that he was not the most impactful player. Cause there are many times when he's, he's chased us back and he's kept us at bay. And that's, that's a intangible is a great word for that, but that's, yeah. that's one example. And it's cool because, you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff like that where you have someone who is very, very integral and important to a team that isn't really, you know, like at first glance, it might not look like they're doing anything, but, but they're actually 
dictating how the team plays, you know. So there's a lot of people who um, who I consider to be people that, even though they're not quite as good at dodgeball as other people um, physically, you have to get them out because as soon as you get them out, their team falls apart because they they don't have the coordination and the communication, which is stuff that you can't really measure, you know. Right. And um, with the advent of of sabermetrics in baseball, there's this idea that you can measure anything, but you can literally measure anything, right? And so it it, it uh, brings to life this idea that you could find a way somehow to measure someone's value that way. So say say you've got a captain who never throws a ball, never catches a ball, but is on, on the court the whole game. So that there's this, you know you can measure court time, so that the time that they are literally on the court compared to other players. You can measure. You know, if they're the ones calling plays for their team, you can measure success based on those plays. You can measure failure based on those plays. How many times did those plays result in an out or more? How many times did those plays result in getting caught? So you're starting to sound like, so I'll be watching like a football game and they'll be like, well, the last time the Cowboys played against the Giants in the red zone, they had this many, like this is the likelihood of them scoring. Like they just pull up these random, random facts that if not for this one particular situation, Who'd, who'd care? And it's maybe it's just it's filler or, or eye candy. But I can kind of see that slowly starting to happen. Like, oh, the last time um, Surge was last and it was Mason and Steve, this is what happened. And that's just based off of many times from that happening in the past. So I, I can kind of see, I probably have this crazy like thousand yard stare look in my, my head right now or my, my face because I'm trying to picture like how would you actually measure some of those events? But just looking back, like there are certain patterns or things repeat themselves and in dodgeball it's as we get tighter as a um as a competitive sport the the patterns are becoming more frequent does that make make sense at all yeah and and that's one of those things that i pride myself on as a player is i remember people's tendencies and i remember situations so you know there's so for example jim like if i know if jim's the last one in he's on rise he's probably getting a catch that's like that's what he's waiting I've, for yeah i've seen it I've seen it a ton of times. It's very hard to get him out without him catching at least one ball, no matter how many you put on him. And so when I'm calling a play, you know, it, I let my players know, like, don't throw at him, make him reach for it. And it, it's hard to do that, you know, and obviously, you know, you can only do so much, but it's, it's things like that. You know, how do you measure stuff like that? How do you measure, maybe Jim doesn't do anything the whole game, but if he brings in the person who wins the game, you might say he's the most impactful player. And I think that, you know, there there are stats, there are ways to calculate that, and it's interesting to me um, to see how what other people want to see and what other people want out of um, statistics for dodgeball. You know, the crazy thing is it would actually be possible to go back at least when Elite started in 2013 when they started recording all those games. The, the footage is there. I mean, it's yeah, we may not necessarily get like a firm to to go back and review and review them, but look what Tate's did. He just he had the opportunity to he had the opportunity and the curiosity and the drive to do it. So it would be really cool to go back and, and determine some some key points that we'd like to collect and then use that for um, for this coming elite season. It's just a matter of time, I guess, really. But So I will let you in on this. Um, Stephanie and I have actually talked about doing this because Stephanie and I did stats in Tucson dodgeball back in the day. We, we did something rudimentary. Um, I won't really go into cool, to big detail on it, but basically we took one co-ed season. I sat it out. And we did stats the whole season. That's all I did. I showed up. I didn't ref. I didn't play. I just came. I collected information. And then I, I put it on display for everyone in Tucson Dodgeball. And Stephanie and I are, are toying with the idea of doing that for um, the Elite West. If you're in another region, I think you're on your own. And I'm not even really sure I want to do it for West because it's a huge time commitment. 
But, you know, I'm interested to know what people would want to see. How in-depth do you want this to be? Um, because, you know, it, it's already a big undertaking if I only count hits. And so if we're counting other stuff, that's kind of where I want to go. Like, what what do you want to see out of it? What do you, you know, what would interest you as a player? You know, you're the average player at Elite. You want to know st- something. You, you, have, you have questions about who is the best player, you know, who is the best thrower, who's the best catcher, this and that. How do you answer those questions? You know, is it is it as simple as just, you know, counting hits and catches and tallying those up and that's that? And Or, or would you want to see more out of it? I mean, if I could just choose without any worry of resources and whether it's doable, I would like to know who is the best player, but why? Not because they throw 75 miles an hour or not because they may catch a ball. Like when when crap hits the fan and they're they're down by themselves and they end up saving their team and they, they do it over and over and over again. Perfect example is Nate Crater. That guy is smooth as ice. He's really calm and calculated. And he uh, was playing pinch. And during that tournament or the, the finals, you know, he took out those two guys from Task Force Unicorn after winding them down. But that's, I would expect Nate to do that anyway at any other time. I, I would like to see how that would be measured. So consistency, reliability, um, calm under fire, that kind of stuff. I think all that kind of helps create how you determine somebody is, is really good or not. Yeah, and obviously, you know, that you, you really can't answer the question in any sport, who's the best at this? You know, you can make speculations and everyone's always going to disagree with them. You know, is Peyton Manning the best quarterback of all time? Is Tom Brady the quarterback of all time? Is someone else? You know, there's always there's always some debate there. But there's tons of stats that back that up. Like you yeah. can't just say, oh, he throws really hard, so he must be really good. Yeah, and I you know I like that idea of of quantifying at least some idea of player value. Um, and you know, it's not to say that some players aren't valuable and some are. It's just you know everyone kind of fills a role in a position on a team. Um, dodgeball is a sport that doesn't have positions per se. You know, you don't go out and play shortstop in dodgeball. But everyone kind of has their role on a team. So, for example, um, you know, there, there are a lot of players who don't catch or throw as well. But like you said, Tim, you know, he, he throws and catches per- perfectly fine. But his position on the team, his role on the team is to hold the corner, protect the team and, you know, block effectively. And he does a, a phenomenal job of that. It's kind of like an antagonizer or an aggressor. Like, right. There's really no name for it. But and then there are doing. other people who, you know, they're they're sole role in the game is to catch they're there to get a catch um and there are a lot of uh of women that fill that role on teams in co-ed um but there are a lot of guys that fill that same role on their teams you know they're they they get picked up specifically because they catch well and that's what they do right and then of course you have throwers you have people who that's andrew ketchum i love big dumb andrew and man he throws hard but that's his that's his job on the team you know i it's my job to get him a ball and to protect him so that he can do what he does, which is hit people very, very, very hard. Yeah, we got to man the cannon. So I, I like this idea of, you know, positions and player values being backed up by stats. Um, and it, you can kind of start to answer questions like, you know, so say, for example, Steve, you're, you're on a team and you have a, a spot to fill. Do you want someone on your team that, you know, you like for sure they're going to throw a ton of people out, but that's all they do. They're never going to get a catch. They don't protect themselves very well, but they're going to throw people out for sure. So the, the counter, I guess the counterbalance to that is, okay, do I have people that can catch that person back in? Right. And so then the other question is, you know, would you rather have that thrower or would you have someone who can only catch? They're never, ever going to throw a single person out. It's going to be the But they're going to get thing. two catches a game, you know? Yeah, it's a seesaw thing. Oh, we have this fantastic catcher, but can we get somebody that's going to get people out for, for us? So... Yeah, so I think if you, you know, if you start collecting stats in dodgeball, you can kind of see that teams fill out more or less the same way. Every team's kind of got one or two arms, some more, some less. 
every team's got one or two catchers, some more, some less, and they kind of all complement each other. Um, the good teams all complement each other so that your throwers are getting people out. If they get out, they're caught back in. Yeah. I'm still thinking about stats and, and roles and all this other good stuff because it's it's like you said you know we I can't tell you what position hey I, uh, my team has uh, a need for you know right wing defender like I can't I can't say what that is but I know what it is does that make sense yeah and I think um, it it's another interesting argument all on its own is you know what could we call different positions um, the the only two positions that I've ever heard to referred in dodgeball are the left corner and the right corner and they're not even yeah. real positions like they're just you, you know it's just the people on the outsides but generally speaking strategically the two people on the corners have the balls um and if there's an extra ball you know a third ball then it, then it goes in the middle somewhere but it's those two corners have the most well-defined job in dodgeball i guess which is to protect the team from the other team's throw yeah protect the guys in the middle and I, I know um, a lot of people who are new to the sport don't really understand that concept. They think it's they think it is like a seesaw. So you go up and throw, they go up and throw. You go up and throw, they go up and throw. And I think there's there's a lack of understanding that it's the it's the corner's job to protect the team and prevent the other team from making a good throw. So if the other team's coming up to throw, those corners are there to provide pressure and to to push up against the other team and make them at least think about you. You know, at least think like, oh man, if I if I mess up here or if I, you know, don't get back quick enough, like I'm going to get hit. Yep. So teeing off on, on your teammates. Exactly. Um, and so it, I, it makes me wonder if there are other positions in dodgeball, you know, like, do you put your best catcher in the middle generally? Like in, it's, it's weird to think like, but on, so on my co-ed team, for example, we position the inside um, corners a specific way as well. Um, they don't have a ball, but they're you know they're there they're best deliberately. Um, and it's it, it it brings to I I really am interested in you know in knowing what other people think positions might be called in dodgeball and where they are um, because it's something that that's so ill defined right now. But I think stats will do a, a lot to explain that and back that up okay so i can i can probably spend a lot of time breaking down like what a very specific role is and maybe try to give that a position but you know my my idea my my naming is going to differ from anybody else's so we can just kind of scrap that but let's go back into something that doesn't lie numbers metrics you go back and you're saying how um okay this person throws really hard but you also brought in accuracy like yeah so what if you if you're throwing 75 mile per hour balls, but you're not hitting anything. You're kind of you're not as as good as you can be. So how would you how would you measure a good thrower? Let's start with that. The most basic. I, well, I think it's a combination of speed and accuracy. Um, obviously, you know, it, if you have someone that's 100 percent accurate but gets caught every time, then what use are they to you? Um, it's the same way if you have someone that throws 100,000 miles an hour, but they never ever hit anybody. Yeah, then, it's only 20 feet in the air. Yeah, then why why are they on your team? You know, what what use are they? So I think the the obviously there's there's some balance there um i think high accuracy high speed is important um and i think being able to place the ball is is more important than anything um when you're going up to throw and you're talking to your team um there are i know a lot of teams who deliberately throw in one spot or another or who plan their their throws so i think when you're taking stats, it, you know, if we really were in a perfect world and we had unlimited resources, I think it would be cool to see throws broken down by body area um, or side or, you know, so so this person throws to the left side 30% of the time versus the right. This person throws high 45% of the time compared to middle and low. 
Um, and I think that, I think what you'd start to see is um, good throwers, very, very good throwers generally throw to hit people and will get caught out more. Um, and people who, people who don't throw quite as hard throw away from people and get more reaches, you know, get more right. fingertip hits and more, um, you know, glancing, glancing blows, Nicks that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's, um, well, I think it, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, so if we're looking at stats, we're like, okay, this, this person just keeps burning these dodgeballs they're, they're throwing, they're not hitting anything and they're, they're giving the other team ammunition now. And they're, it's causing like a negative effect on, on their team. But what if there have been so many times where we just have to like ditch a ball? So will we like exclude those throws as well? Because you know when we're when we're looking at that countdown, and we're just say, hey, I'll burn one. You know that's kind of like a discarded throw where it's we're just getting rid of it. So we, I guess we'd have to take those out of the equation also. But how would we? I think you'd treat them kind of like an error in baseball. Um, so it'd be similar to that because it's a wasted opportunity to me. Um, you know, so if you, if you can't figure out your throw in time, you don't know what's happening. Um, and you're just ditching one because you have to beat the timer, then that's a throw that potentially could have gotten someone out. So, you, you oh, know, because I, you couldn't figure it out. It's... Exactly. And it's, I'm, it's not saying that it's quite as bad as an error. Errors in baseball are generally very, very bad. Um, but you're going to have some of those situations where you just have to get rid of a ball. You just have to ditch it. Um, but I think that that is a missed opportunity. So I think it's something that should be counted against you in some way. Um, the other thing that I think was interesting that could be interesting is to break down catches, you know? So does this person catch, um, with their, their hands a specific time? Is it with their body? Is it, you know, high, low, um, you can, you can delineate those kind of the same way. Um, well, one handing catches would probably be really solid. Like if one's holding a blocker and then they pull that one in. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's all that kinds happens of stuff. enough that that could be measured because that, that is intentional. Yeah. Um, and then proximity maybe like if i threw at you from the back line as a counter would that yeah i mean if we're if we're really getting if we if we really are in a perfect world then it'd be cool to see um distance you know catching distance suicide catches those are huge point blank catches those are yeah i mean there's all kinds of stuff um how many blocks resulted in a pop-up catch um how many i'll bet justin acting would love those yeah yeah I, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that, that would be very interesting to me. Um, and there's all kinds of metrics that you could break down further based off of those. So I, I really, you know, I, I would have to sit down and it would, it is people, I mean, people get paid to do this. People get paid in, in baseball, especially to come up with new metrics and new ways of measuring success on a team or, um, or game level or, or individual level. You know, I mean, we haven't even touched on the idea of um, of ELO, which is a, a ranking system for teams. So you could literally have a stat that ranks teams based on other teams. So if you know, if you the, basically the way it works is, um, if you're a very very high ELO team, it means that you're very skilled. And if you lose to a very low ELO team as a high ranked team, you lose more ELO than you. You know, it basically it, it's a, it's a way of comparing teams against each other. Um, it's not perfect and, you know, but it is, it would be interesting to see, you know, so maybe, um, yeah, maybe, maybe a team beats a team badly, but that, that was expected, you know, because their ELO was so much higher. So that, you know, we could even do team stats, stuff like that. That might be a good place to start too. Just, just to get something going. Hmm. I like that. Like I'll have to. I'm going to nerd out in some of these numbers. <laughs> are you uh, are you willing to give away like what your what your focus is going to be or do you want to talk about your system a little bit more? 
Um, I don't know yet. I don't know what I'm going to do. I you just know you're going to do it. Well, I don't even know that I'm going to do it yet. Like I said, it's a huge, it's a huge time sink and it would require a lot from Mark to, to give me video like immediately. Cause I'd have to start right away. Um, so I, I haven't yet decided if I'm going to do that or not, but I think it would be interesting. Um, and if I do, I would appreciate any help that anyone would be willing to give me. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll help. Um, well, the good thing is it's, it's there, you know, it's, we can go back to 2013, 2014, we can go back to this past year and it's, it's all there. I mean, I think Glenn's got most of the footage. That's where he makes a, the uh, the videos anyway, and they're all, they're even edited already. So it's just a matter of hopping on YouTube. Even the other thing that would that it would require though is to film round robin, which we don't already do because the playoff stats don't mean anything at all. You know, yes, they're cool, but teams that go further in the playoffs will have more hits and catches by nature of going further in the playoffs. If you're eliminated early, you don't have as much opportunity. So Yeah, and you could have had a stellar round robin. Right. And so as an individual, um, you know, it I think it would be a waste to do playoff stats because it wouldn't actually show any real value um, for for some of the weaker teams out there that do have outstanding individual talent on them. Unless you did average per game. And you could do that, but the the thing about that is you'd still have such small sample sizes for some of the weaker teams. I, I would hate to, like, so that's the, that's the thing. You know, David Tate's said when he did the the stats for the USA teams, they're very cool, and you know they're they're very nice to look at, but they don't tell the whole story. You know, they they, they give you a glimpse it. of a game that doesn't even potentially show you what actually is the case. You so know, did he do round robin games or just it was bracket. one round robin game each. So it was one game for the women, one game for the men. Um, I think the men's game was against Canada and the women's game was against... Um, I do not remember now, actually. But, but even that little snippet, I mean, it's it spawned a conversation. It motivated you to give it a shot. Um, I know what, Kelly took some stats for... Was it fantasy? Oh, that's right, yes. So Kelly um, Salamone actually did this, too. She did um, fantasy at Elite um with a, a few different players individual players and and took those stats i think it was as simple as throws and catches um there's i'm sorry I'm, there's one metric i want to see is how many people did joe fernandez get sick <laughs> <laughs> and then what's the probability of it happening again but uh sorry that's, i was just laughing for that reason yeah so so kelly took these fantasy stats um for teams that uh vince mark and dave drafted um ahead of elite and came up with a winning team that you know th- that those guys drafted. Um, and I see. I think it would be very cool to see those for everybody. Um, when she posted the final results for those, um, I think it was Billy was the highest scoring player among those teams. Um, and that's cool to see. You know, like I, I would want to see that over a whole season, over a whole you know three, basically three day you know round in one uh, region. It'd be cool to get them in every region, but I don't think that's feasible. Yeah. If he came up with a system though, and I know you can do this, and I hate talking you up, but, I mean, when you were looking at the stat system that you made for Tucson, I was like, so how are you going to do this, Brad? Like, well, you know, I, I have an algorithm, and I've figured this out. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, you went that that in-depth, but is that something that you can make turnkey, maybe? Yeah, I mean, it is. You know, it's, it's rudimentary. Basically, you you know, you know, value throws and catches at a certain level. Um, you, I also recorded outs, and we, we actually did assists in Tucson, which was a pain in the ass. So the idea, it was very subjective, but the idea of if you're throwing with other people, those other people assisted you on the out. Even For sure. if, Yeah. Because, like I said, it's super subjective because who knows if, if they actually mattered, if their balls mattered. There's no way that we could have tracked it live. Um, you know, maybe you threw seven feet over someone's head so you didn't get the assist or whatever. It, like I, a that, proximity type thing. And- right. That's something that would be much easier to do on film, but I don't think it's it's 
I don't personally think it's as useful a stat. Um, you know, maybe it's like sacks in football where you all get a share of the of the of the throw instead or something. I'm not really sure how how we would do that, but it's interesting because like we're in such a it's it's so new and it's nobody has done it yet. So it's like, what do we do? You know, that we don't even know what we would want to see. So let me let me play devil's advocate real quick. Um, what makes us so special that we can determine the rules? Like, how would we create a, a metric or um, a stat gathering system that I guess is fair and balanced and doesn't discount anything? Because I guess it's just it's going to be our opinion only, you know. So no, that's how- fair. Um, and I think that I think that involving other people who understand dodgeball is important. So. It, like this is something with Tucson dodgeball that you know I was I was very open with people like hey you know let me know what you think about this let me know this is kind of how we did it it's you know I didn't with Tucson dodgeball I didn't want to release any of the real numbers because so we did per game and I only included the top five I think um, when I released them because I didn't want anyone in the middle or or bottom yet to have their feelings hurt Um, so I, I don't know if that's even something we would do for elite, you know, maybe, maybe in elite, I would do the yeah, same thing, no, only you, release I the think, top 30 players or something. I think you could get away with it in elite because yeah, I mean, there's, there's egos, but if it, if it motivates you to get better, maybe it even shows you where to work on. It's like, oh man, my catching this year was, was terrible. I'm going to go pra- practice catching more. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's an interesting idea and I really, I want to do it. It's just, it's such a big time commitment and it would require so much more from Mark in terms of filming and footage. I don't know if he's up for it. Mark's got nothing going on. He's got time. (laughs) (laughs) So Um, the, the last thing that you said kind of touches on where we wanted to end this episode, which is uh, slumps. So, you know, if you're having a bad year, um, you're not catching as much as you're used to, you know, a lot of people say they're in a slump and everyone has, that has ever played dodgeball has been in one. Um, If you say that you haven't, you're lying. But you've, you've kind of had, even if it's a couple weeks, a couple weeks where you didn't play as well as you thought you should. Something's or, off. Yeah, something just seems off. Your throw is not where you want it to be. Um, everyone's been in a slump. And Steve, you're the king of slumps. So I'm going to let you Thanks. speak a little bit about what it feels like to be in a slump and how do you get out of it. Now, the reason why I'm the king of slumps is because I'm always being pulled away to go do military duty. And um, when we're in the thick of competitive dodgeball season, uh, missing even two weeks is going to gonna throw you off big time. So... You know, when I'm when I'm active duty, I don't I don't I don't play dodgeball. I'm not throwing anything. I'm I'm my mind is not anywhere near dodgeball most of the time. And um, when I come back and get thrown into a game, it's just like, oh man, I gotta learn how to do this crap all over again. And you know, it, it just depends on how long I've been away. If it's a couple weeks, it, it might take a, a week or two to get into it. If it's a couple months, good good God, like I was in a slump when I got back from uh, Afghanistan for. I want to say like nine months. I just, I could not get up to speed with where Tucson was at that point. Like the competition was just so much higher. Um, I would get like blindsided. I'd get out doing just stupid stuff. I'm like, what's, what's wrong with you body? Like you would never, this would never happen to you. And it, um, it's, it's kind of, I don't want to say it's discouraging because I don't want to have like this pity party, but you know, you have to, I've seen people fall into slumps and I've seen them get worse because they don't, um, they don't have like the resilience to just keep at it and keep practicing and, and know that they're going to get better. And so that's one thing that'd be really cool to have stats because it's like, no, the numbers show that I am still valuable. I'm still really good. Like it's not just a, maybe it's just a mental thing. I can come back and I can, you know, achieve this level of, uh, of play that I used to have again. So, um, yeah, I don't want to take up too much story time there, but, um, when was, what are some of your slumps? 
Um, I've definitely had them too, and, and mine tend to be um, shorter lasting. Mine, mine are usually you know two weeks at a time. I'll have two back to back you know days at league or whatever that that just don't feel right. And then it's hard to say how I pull out of them because I think it's just I think it's just a matter of time, you know. So you you just don't know where to go from there, you know. Like, what and, the heck, man? Why, but then you come back next week and it's fine. <laughs> just. Woke up and it just shrugged off. Or? Yeah, and and I think I, for me it really is a time thing. You just you just have a couple of bad weeks in a row. So I I don't let my slumps get to me. I know some people who it, I mean it just feels like it feels like they hate everything when they're in a slump. So two things. Um, I remember one of the things that was very motivating was uh, Mason like just walked up to me. Uh, well, I mean he walked up to the line and threw a chest shot and I dropped it. And he's like, Steve, are you going to join us anytime? Are you, are, are you going to come back? And like he was just uh. He's being very antagonizing, but I knew what he meant. Like he's he was trying to say, "Hey, I know you're better than this. Like, come on, like snap out of it." And um, after a couple of weeks, you know, I started actually doing my thing. And um, Mason said, "Steve Damon's back." And uh, every time I hear that, that's like, "Okay, I'm good now." And um, the second point, when you um, when you injured your ankle, you were out of the game for a very long time. And I remember you messaged us when you played trampoline dodgeball. And I guess somebody, you must have done some good things and somebody said, uh, hey, Brett, back, just back, everyone. Like, I think you even said, like, guys, it feels so good to actually be back. But, I mean, I don't want to steal your thunder. Do you want to kind of... No, I mean, I think... So I, I didn't consider that a slump as much as I did just injury. You know, being hurt sucks. Um, you're, you know, you're hung up. You can't do anything. I couldn't even walk for two or three weeks. So it's like, it's not a... That one wasn't so much a slump as it was just being able to play anything again yeah you know so it's it's nice to it's nice to jump back in after so much time off and and feel like you're contributing right away um so in that sense it kind of you know it kind of fits the mold for a slump but um i guess for for me there have been times where one play changes it for me you know so even even if it's a a bad day so during the san diego elite last season um echo was just playing just absolutely terribly all day like i think we we lost like two or three games to teams that we had no business losing to um everyone was in a you know everyone was in a pretty bad mood and i took a nap um and and pine was actually he, <laughs> pine was actually upset with me because i took a nap during the break in between um retired or angry or just, just yeah i was thought just, i'd sleep it off or yeah i was just beat up i guess and so i took i took a quick 15 minute snoozer in between rounds and then i came back you know just fine and, and our team ended up i think we took second place that that uh, tournament so it it's one of those things like you just have to do what you have to do everyone's got their own you know magic potion or whatever even if it's mj special stuff like space jam or... yeah you just do you just do what you got to do and everyone has their own way of getting out of it for me um for me it's just a matter of of working through it you know like i don't I don't beat myself up too much generally. I I just do. I just go, go out and do it again, you know? Yeah, you really, that's one thing you can't do is you can't just keep beating yourself up. You can't, um, you have to let it go because there's just, just going to be another game um, sooner, um, sooner enough or there's going to be another tournament and just got to shrug it off. And kind of going back to the whole stats and position thing, you know, I'm sure there's some teams that actually have one dude that's like, he brings the hype, like he keeps the energy up and he, he, um, he or she keeps things positive um and i think that's pretty impactful too i'm not going to say that you can actually measure that at all but um that's also a big um contributor to pulling people out of slums is like do you have a team that actually has your back that's going to cheer you up that's going to talk to you and try to talk your keep your head in the game and um 
I think that's that's super valuable. So it's also um, team chemistry when you want to go back to roles and, and positions, but it's wanted to throw that out there as well. Well, I mean, uh, so the NBA has something like that. You know, people always describe someone as a change of pace player. Um, you know, so they're not they're not traditionally the most fundamentally skilled player on the bench, but they're someone that you can put in and, and light a spark is the way that they say it, you know? So it's, and there are, there are teams like that too. I'm sure that, you know, maybe, maybe your best player isn't, or maybe, maybe you have a player who's not your best player, but there, there's just something about them that just lights people up. And, uh, so like, for example, I saw that firsthand with, um, the women's national team in, uh, at WDBF, uh, they were all, I, they were all kind of in their heads, you know, they're, they're kind of getting beat up about a bad loss. Um, they're down by a few points or whatever. And in comes Nina and Nina just, I mean, she just fundamentally changed the the mindset of the team. And it took, all it took was one game. Nina comes in, I think she caught two or three balls that game. And all of a sudden it's a whole new team. Got the you know, like, going. It, and so I think that you can, you can measure that in some way, you know, you can, you can do talk about pace. You can talk about, um, some arbitrary amount of clutchness you know that that's or like maybe when this person came in they started winning exactly oh, but this yeah. has actually happened before or so david tates he kind of touched on that with his uh with a plus minus um it's something that hockey does and basketball does where you know the number of people that are hit while you're on the court you get a plus the number of people that are hit on your team while you're on the court you get a minus so this it's this idea that your presence on the court no matter what you're doing is either positive or negative in some way. Um, and of course, every player is going to, every player is going to get out at some point. Every player is going to be on the court when other players are getting out. But what contribution are you having to your team while you're on the court one way or another? Well, if one of your players gets out and then you hit someone else, then you're even. Exactly. You, you know, you can balance it out. Yeah, exactly. I, I like that because there are so many times when, you know, we're, we're saying don't throw, don't throw. And then that person throws that last ball and like, great, now there's six balls against us. Thanks, um, so-and-so. Um, I mean, everybody does that, but that's, I, I can I see where Tate's is going with that, and I like that. Yeah, it's an interesting idea. Um, so, you know, I'm really interested to see what everyone else thinks should be collected, what they want to see collected. What questions do people have about stats in general? Um, because, it, like I said, it is so, it is so young a sport that stats are s- so somewhat sidestepped like yeah the, oh it's cute you know david tates did these stats oh brett did these stats one time like that's cool to see but it's not the the focus of the sport right now um which is a shame because i love sports statistics things that i think if if you get something out there that's, that's that's turnkey or that other people can emulate like other other regions can do you might see them coming up from from all over and then you know who knows you might actually set a standard i mean at one point, not all elite games, or at least not all elite um, playoff games were recorded, but then um, we started making that standard. And then we started doing that into, uh, to co-ed, I believe. And it's just, uh, right now it's kind of like a land grab, but it's also, as long as there's consistency, um, I think it'll actually become a thing. So maybe three years from now, we'll, there'll actually be a nice stat implementation that, we'll, um, that we can look back and be like, man, it's a good thing somebody led this charge. Like, thanks, David, for doing that. Thanks, Kelly, for doing that. Um, because there's, I'm, I'm sure there's interest, and I'm sure once people see like the end product, not so much like the. Well, you can see it. I mean, you can see the interest anytime it gets posted. I mean, Kelly's, Kelly's posts. There were a ton of people that were interested in that. That you know, that wanted to know what was going on. That didn't even hear the the podcast with um, the original drafting. That were like, oh man, you did fantasy draft. That's so cool. Yeah. And talk about doing their own fantasy drafts with with players. And I think it all stems back to the idea that people want to know how good they are. Um, whether it's 
it's concrete or not. You know, people want to know how good everyone is. And I'm not saying that stats can answer that because they can't. Um, but I, I do think that it's a step in the right direction for the sport as a whole to grow and, and to start collecting statistics. Especially if you want to get people that don't play dodgeball to kind of understand who's the who's who in in these events. I think that also would help too. Yeah. What if people focus too much on stats when they're on the court and start to kind of forget about the team just because they want to put up the stat line? Good, good question. That actually happened in Tucson with a few people. Yeah. They kind of... Mm. So... Tough. It, <laughs> no, so I mean, it just goes back to what what are you playing for? Um, you know, if you're playing for your team and you're playing to win, then, then stats come as they will, you know, and you just have to forget them and move on. Um, if, if yours aren't the best, then so be it. And I think that's easier to do in dodgeball than other sports because you're not getting paid to play dodgeball the same way that you are in other sports. You know, you don't have a contract to fulfill. You're not trying to pay, you know, you're not playing for your next paycheck, basically. Yeah, you're not getting fined because you threw a catch, although that would be hilarious to do to some people. I was going to say, um, if, if somebody on Titans, like, I mean, just to pick on them, if Justin's like, no, nah, dude, I want stats, and he's just like throwing all the time, we, we'll stop him. Oh, like, he's benched. He's not playing. Yeah. So I think maybe in recreational leagues, you can, that'll, that might be a problem, but we're, we're not even there. I think when it comes to elite, it's, like I said, it's, it's tough. I, if, if you're going to focus on stats, then... Like Brett said, it's, it's what you want to do, um, what you want to prioritize. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening so much. Um, you know, if you, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, or you want to chime in on, on what stats you'd like to see, um, if I end up doing this Elite West thing, then, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need some input and help. So please yeah, let so us know what you'd like to see. people want opinions from. Yeah, if you'd like to help, um, if you have any other questions, comments, or concerns, thank you so much for listening again. Happy New uh, Year. We will, yeah, Happy New Year. We will see you next time. <laughs>